theosophy, and this happened in the 1800s into the 1900s, is this idea of morphing all the, belief, the you know, belief systems together. And they believe that, that no matter path you take, oh God, so and we know that that's a lie from hell, right? We know that God is not the author of confusion. We know that Yahweh is only one true God, right? And when you get into some of these things, these ideas are to try to embrace and, and accept different practices that people come up with, ideologies that they think is true. And they want to embrace, this is my truth, that's your truth. We know that there's only one truth. Right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. you have to understand there's two different things. There's the truth and then there's error. And all those practices is error. Or if you look at, and we can dive into this, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, all of them are cultish. All of them are from the depths of hell. All of them came in the 1800s. And, and we're warned about that in Second John, that if anyone comes to you teaching the gospel that you didn't hear, don't let them into your homes. Right. Don't engage in them, because then you engage in their wicked works. So we've been warned, and it's amazing how early we've been warned before these people came out of the woodworks with, these stuff, with this stuff. Right. And unfortunately, we, we have a problem with people trying to validate experience over the scriptures. Right. People think that because of the experience that you go through and what you what you do, that's validated. And because of the way I feel and it happened to me, then it's, then it's over. And we have scripture that tells us that. And I believe it's in the book of Corinthians that's very explicit when it comes to that. You know, we prophesize, but we know in part. Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Mr. Jonathan Drayton here. He uh, he hosts a podcast called The Truth of the Matter. Is that, did I get that correct? Truth of the Matter is. You know, there's no worries. We won't forget the is part. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we were talking a little bit before we got started and uh, it's sad that we kind of have to hide the fact that we try to get god's word out there we we hide it as something else but in order to to reach people who don't believe in god don't believe in the bible you kind of have to do that my before we get into uh exactly who you are I wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you think God approves of the way we do that, or are we wrong ourselves? Can you elaborate a little bit more about what God approves potentially? Well, I'm talking about, about applying his word and what we teach without actually saying this is God's word. Well, I would say it depends on the context, right? So I'll use an example. There's an individual that I know that used to work in the dorms and he was a rev. And what happens is his name is Charles Rogers, by the way, and went to the university at Albany and working in the dorms, you meet different students from different backgrounds, different race and culture. And one thing I learned is sometimes in a setting like that, now we know that God's word shapes and it's foundation for us, the way we move, the way we operate, the way we communicate with other people. It's what stems our moral compass. And when you encounter other people that don't know God, there is a time and place for everything in regards to how much 
you discern and how much you reveal who you are, right? I think Jesus says that they will know you are my disciples based upon how you love them. So there are specific times in those contexts where you don't want to put God's word on everything literally, right? Because people are turned off by the side of anything biblical, anything scripture-based, anything that forces you to take accountability for your actions. I think in a setting like that, taking it out of its context and applying it as a form of advice to someone, mm-hmm. it sort of allows them to understand its truth in it because you and me both know there are truths in other belief systems that exist, but we know that there's only one truth. This is what Christ said in the gospel of John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the father except for me. So there's an understanding that because there's a, there are forms of truth, that doesn't mean that, that their belief system is the ultimate truth. And therefore, what I have, what we have to understand is in those contexts, because of the sensitivity of the language, even though it's coming from God, you know it's coming from God, maybe there has to be some discernment of not revealing that yet, unless the person is said to want to learn more, understand more about the way you move and operate. And that's one of the things that you get when you study the Old Testament, right? One of the conversations that was had is that God wanted to make all the other tribes envious of that one tribe so that they would ask, well, how are you so close? How is your God so close to your people, right? Mm -hmm. That's to make them jealous. And then when you make them jealous, then you bring them in and then you reveal truth, God's truth. But, you know, anything when it comes to truth is confrontational, right? And I think confrontational is good because it guarantees that there's a solution in the end of that discussion or that interaction that you have with that person, right? And you're trying to better understand it. But I think there's a purpose that is served by not revealing it completely, especially to those who are sensitized from church hurt experiences in the past, that at the side of anything, God, especially dealing with Christ, they gravitate in any way, even if it's for their benefit. So sometimes you have to move slowly in that sort of operation before you reveal it. And in other cases, where you're probably not going to have that much encounterment, I think declaring who Christ is and your connection to him, because we're guilty by association with Christ. I think that matters because it points that out in the Gospels, where it says, if you deny me in front of men, I will deny you in front of my father in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. So it depends on the context. It depends on the position that you're in. And it depends on the leash that you have on how you want to discern the message to the masses who you encounter with. Mm. I like that answer. Well, let's say before we get into further discussion, um, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, so I'm 28 years old. I know I'm pretty young. I triple majored in cars, philosophy, history, political science. I actually enjoyed all those majors, and they play a big part of how our world is shaped and how history played a big role into who we are today, especially as a nation, right, or culture aspect. And as you already stated earlier, I started a podcast called The Truth of the Matter Is, and I guess we can get a little bit into my testimony and how that got started. I was an athlete, so I played football, ran track, enjoyed playing sports. One of the most important things that's ever happened to me in life, it played a big role in my discipline and how I operate and my commitment to things that matter to me. And, you know, I enjoyed, you know, watching the game too this year. I don't know, are you, are you a football fan at all? 
Man, I have loved football since I knew what football was. Although I'll have to say I've not watched quite as much as I used to. What's your team? I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, man. <laughs> they did it to you again this year, huh? Right? Yeah, they oh, did. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Stephen A keeps clowning you. You know, I, yeah. I would hope that you guys would you guys are get good and you get things fixed, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, so those are just some of the basic things that, that you can know. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Yeah, well, I want to steer away from football. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, uh, and so. you know, I I remember when ESPN just talked about sports. Now they have to get their nose into everything, and I think they need to stick yeah. to sports. But mm-hmm. anywho, uh, I can say uh, we uh, we try our best to get God's word out there, and not just coming right out and saying this is God's word. And I've I've talked to a few other people that that's that's part of uh their business is you know they they try to to help uh executives to be better executives and to make businesses more successful and they incorporate the a lot of the bible and in what they teach and you know that gets turned turns people off if you mention the bible you mention god and you're you're considered an extremist if you're a christian now that's kind of crazy if you ask me but that's what they label you how how do you how do you how do you do that i mean how do you incorporate god's word or do you just come right out and i'm a christian this is what the bible says i mean what what do you how do you approach this well, so there's a couple of things that I do. Well, so I guess I can get a little bit in my testimony and how I kind of equate that and what my podcast is centered around, and then I can answer your question directly that'll make all this world. So I remember playing football my sophomore year into my junior year, and I left Fresno, California, because at first I was in Fresno, and that's where I got my associate's degree. And then I took a break, and then I went to bachelor's. And one of the topics that kind of caught my eye was philosophy. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to ingratiate myself in philosophy because it's a known, well-respected major that transfers over into the workplace, the work environment, like that you can gain in corporate America because philosophy signifies this desire and the search for wisdom. It also points to your ability and your desire to elaborate, go further, to think critically. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I got right out of root in philosophy is the search for wisdom, this desire to get wisdom. And I was raised Christian, but there was a missing element in regards to how my parents' faith wasn't my faith yet. So that mm-hmm. was a problem, right? So I was searching. I was searching to the definitive to understand definitively how can this experience that I see my parents have transfer over to me where I can relate, I can understand what it is. Because, you know, different people in their faith walks is measured differently. Some people declare themselves as extremely spiritual, that for some reason, God's always talking to them. And there are others that say, well, God speaks, but do it through a still, small voice. And for me, those are concepts I didn't understand. I was in church community, church all the time, but I didn't experience that. So I thought maybe God didn't love me as much. Maybe something's not right. And in studying philosophy, I realized that a lot of the ideologies that came about, whether it was Heidegger who thought of human existence and called it Dasein and said everything that he touched exists because he touched it. And that's a lot of individualistic ideas, right? Ideas that strain from the human's ability to infiltrate and make things exist. And it was there when I saw that that's not right. There's something off about that. That's a great idea, but that can't be realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Or whether it was Aristotle. Aristotle said a lot of great things, right? One of the things that I still believe today, he said, at the intersection lies your gifts, talents, and abilities, and then there lies your purpose. And I agree with that. I believe God has given us gifts, talents, and abilities and through that the gift that we have that god is only giving you you can use that to help bring people into the kingdom whatever that may be right not just for living and some people have the fortune of being able to do both so i I believe that concept from aristotle and some other stuff he said but then i came to the realization that hey you're doing all this work to get good, good good grades in school why not put that effort into the bible Mm-hmm. Because what I've heard is that the Bible answers all questions. But I didn't know that yet. Because, again, I thought that the experience of God was through some supernatural experience. So I was seeking for that supernatural experience that never really came for me at first. So once I graduated from college, I then went on a journey to search for truth. And that was through his word. Mm-hmm. When I started doing that, all the elements from school, whether it was psychology, philosophy, history, political science, sociology, all these different concepts, philosophy, it's in the scriptures. But the problem is when we look at these different individual schools of thought that we learn in school, we learn it through their system. But it could be infiltrated and translated and understood through the, bib- through the, the biblical lens. So it was from that standpoint that I realized like a lot of the different things that we think are created or new, they've always existed in the Bible. So I'll give you a couple of examples, right? Politics. Mm-hmm. That's in the Bible. Part of Jesus' crucifixion was based on politics. Right. I'll give you another example. Psychology. Psychology is in there because if you really read the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, there's this understanding of the psychological battle that Jesus is having in the midst of when a stage in which the devil will consider him weak because he hasn't eaten yet. 
And you see what Jesus does is he responds in his time of crisis through scripture. Right? So the example is Jesus, the devil said, turn these stones into bread or turn mm. this stone into bread. Even in the midst of that, you'll see that the word, when he said turn this stone, he's speaking in a singular form, which means that the stone he wanted him to turn into bread, he wanted him to use that to feed himself in the wilderness because he could. When the, when the scripture says turn these stones, it speaks of more monetary value in dealing with economics, which means he can take the very thing that he, that he can turn that miracle into financial gain. Right. Mm -hmm. And this has to do with hermeneutics. So when you really dive into the scriptures and you see the translation and you really dive in it, you see how one one book addresses another situation. One another book addresses another. So you really get to really engage in God's word carefully. You'll really start to see that Jesus also spoke about money. Now, you understand that the love of money is the root of all evil. But money, it's not wrong with money. Or depends on the context exactly. that you're reading it. So I think when you really deep down, here's another example. In the Gospel of John 15, where it talks about Jesus said that I am divine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a very philosophical, psychological breakdown because what Jesus is saying is that as long as that you're within me, all that stems from it allows you to produce good fruit. Right? There's this understanding that when God created us, he breathed in us the breath of the breath of life, right? Mm. And for some strange reason, people out there think that moving away from God, they're gaining wisdom. <laughs> moving away from God, they're achieving enlightenment. They're reaching a certain stage where they're they're learning who they are. But we, the more we stay within God, the more we understand what our purpose is. And when we understand what our purpose is, we can thrive. And then that relationship with God allows us to dwell. A lot of people don't realize, right? But when you read three, John 3, 16, it said, God so loved the world that whoever believed in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Some people view that text and say God loves the world. He does, but it, there's a condemnation attached to it where it speaks more to the depth of relationship because there's an option there. When people say, does God show favoritism? Depends on the context, right? Favoritism to those who believe, which means you can remove yourself out of God's favor by not believing, which means your life is saved as long as you believe. But if you don't believe, then you remove yourself out of that favor. I look at it on the scale between one and two. God says he approaches the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. I'm looking at, I'm thinking about Proverbs chapter three, verse 34. When you really look at that, it's telling you that your relationship with God and your favor with God is hinging on that continuation of developing relationships, right? Whatever you put into a relationship is what you get out of it. Right. When you think of what Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says, and the Amplified says, it says, blessed and high and happily favored are those who read my word and continually observe it. So there's an there's a, a benefit of continuing to read God's word. When you don't do that, then that relationship, that favoritism that you get, you don't have it anymore. So people have to understand that this is all hinged on the relationship. And when you detach yourself from the relationship, we understand what James says, that God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, which means that his grace is sufficient and it's always going to be there, right? And it's to hinge right. on and to get you to understand that as long as 
sin increases, grace increases all the more so that those could come to repentance and then receive the gift that God has given to him. That's what we get in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, when he says that he, he talks about that, you know, our that we are saved by faith through grace, not by works. And that's right. what every other belief system is hinging on. So all these different stuff that I'm mentioning now is really philosophical, very moral based, very deep when it comes to these different schools of thought. And even though I don't have to say it in the scriptures, I say it because I want to give honor and, and, and praise to God because he deserves all that glory and honor. But I can take it out of his context and still share it and still get you to see the importance of community, right? We don't grow in isolation, we grow in community. I can go through different portions of the scripture and talk about the importance of growth, the importance of crisis, the importance of suffering, right? And I can nitpick all that and not give you, I don't have to give you the scriptures, but it still shows that through those different verses, it speaks to the importance of how I don't have to use the verse, but I can still use it in the context to get people to see the value of it. Mm -hmm. Right, so I'll give you a couple examples. It's in Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom with man and with God. That shows that over time in his younger years, grew in maturity. That's the stage we all go through in life. In crisis, if you go to Second Kings chapter four, it speaks about a woman and her husband who dies and she's put in a, in a predicament where her children are going to be sold as slaves. And she encounters Elijah and Elijah says, what do you have in your home that can be used to help you get out of the situation? Olive oil. So what does Elijah tell her to do? Go find jars everywhere. Even you borrow, borrow your neighbor's jars. And that blessing she receives from the olive oil pours and allows her to have a never-ending process of the blessing to pour into as many jars as he has, not just to pay the debt off, but to live off of it. That was a crisis moment. Well, it took her having to come into her home, realize what she already had, and utilize it to the best of her ability. When you look at Galatians 6, 9, it says, do not become weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That speaks to motivation, that whatever you're doing, just like a plant, when you plant it, it takes time to develop. But if you keep on it, eventually it's going to blossom and grow. Right? So these are all examples in the scripture that speaks to development, growth, desire to continue to strive and do the best that you can. And I can take that right out of the scripture and speak to the logical aspect of productivity when it comes to growing something. Or... Mm -hmm you know, the process of growth when it comes to maturity. And, and all those, when you break it down philosophically and psychologically, those are basic concepts that we get now, but it's rooted in the scripture. And that's why Jesus spoke in parables. It's through these stories, you see the value and knowledge that can be extracted from it. The problem is you got to be able to find that. And if we went to school for all these different things, philosophy, psychology, sociology, history, philosophy, you should be able to go into scriptures and find a scenario that may not be closely related to it as a T, but can be closely associated with the fact that, hey, this some kind of idea that we went to college and study for, 
We get this example in the scriptures and all it takes is reading and allowing God and the Holy Spirit, not just to minister to you, but to reveal it to you. You know, one thing that I've been thinking about when it comes to people serving God, God has called some people to lead. Um, talk about like David, who uh, had a very checkered past. I mean, he was an adulterer. He was a murderer did all these things, but God put him in a position to lead. And I mean, he basically was, he birthed the, the whole Jewish nation, right? Yeah. And then you read where he calls on certain people to preach and he expects a, uh, there's a criteria to preach. And if you've noticed some people have perverted that in order to uh, to fulfill the uh, the human need. Okay, I'm a very traditional type person when it comes to anything biblical, anything God. Uh, I'm I'm not a progressive person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but you see that uh, they. They call women uh, preachers. Uh, I've, I've noticed that they've got uh, homosexuals being preachers and things like yeah. that. And I, I have no hate in my heart for anyone. Okay. Mm -hmm. What, how you live your life is between you and God. He's going to judge you for that. I'm just called to love you. I don't have to love your sin. Yeah. That's Amen. part of the Bible as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. And people are falling for this, and I, th I think that's part of the, the the prophecy of false teachers, false preachers. That kind. Of, what's your thought on that? On that? I agree with everything as you said. I think it was coming. It's been coming. It's been something that's been practiced for a long time. And like you, I believe the holy, you know, God's word is Holy Spirit breathed on, which means that to me. When it comes to God's word, it's not a menu. You pick and choose what you like. Mm -hmm. And then what you don't like, you throw it away and you add on to it. There's something that I would suggest you should check out and something your listeners should check out and something that I was exposed to. God does a phenomenal job. And these three videos, it's called The Third Adam. It's a part one, a part two, a part three. And then it, he breaks it down in depth to a T, man, of everything that you're, you're speaking about. So I'll just touch on a couple of things. There's something called theosophy. Theosophy is the combination of different mystical practices and different belief systems. What it is is, so we know that the four major religions is Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam. Four major religions. And I believe Christianity is a relationship established foundation. It has it has ritualistic practices that stems from Judaism, right? And that's the law. But it's not the perfect it's not the perfect law, and it was established to bring Christ in the bringing. But these different schools of thought, there are people out there, and it comes with something called the occult. And in these videos, it breaks down these different ritual practices and 
there's conversations about astral projections. So astral projection is I don't know. Have you ever seen, have you ever heard or seen the Black the Black Panther movie? Yes. So astral projection is this concept where people follow this ritual practice, and then they go to what is considered the ascended master. So the ascended masters are con- uh, considered what you know people that carry wisdom and knowledge and insight, and they have this belief that when you do these practices, you ascend to them and they give you wisdom and knowledge. And what happens is then the wisdom and knowledge that you gain from them, you then come down and you exhibit it here on earth. And when the earth has enough of that information, then they can come down and rule here on earth. And they name that the four religions, as I said, Jesus included, that they all going to rule together. And obviously we know the, the scripture I gave you, Gospel John 14, 6, automatically says that's not true, that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Powerful, mm-hmm. powerful declaration. And that already shuns the idea that Jesus is sharing the throne with anybody. Right. <laughs> right? So the reason why I'm bringing this all up is because theosophy, and this happened in the 1800s into the 1900s, is this idea of morphing all the, belief, the you know, belief systems together. And they believe that, that no matter path you take, oh, God, so we know that that's a lie from hell, right? We know that God is not the author of confusion. We know that Yahweh is the only one true God, right? And when you get into some of these things, these ideas are to try to embrace and, and accept different practices that people come up with, ideologies that they think is true. And they want to embrace, this is my truth, that's your truth. We know that there's only one truth, right? Exactly. So... Mm-hmm. You have to understand there's two different things. There's the truth and then there's error. And all those practices is error. Or if you look at, and we can dive into this, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, all of them are cultish. All of them is from the depths of hell. All of them came in the 1800s. And, and we're warned about that in Second John, that if anyone comes to you teaching the gospel that you didn't hear, don't let them into your homes. Right. Don't engage in them because then you engage in their wicked works. So we've been warned, and it's amazing how early we've been warned before these people came out of the woodworks with these stuff, with this stuff, right? And unfortunately, we we have a problem with people trying to validate experience over the scriptures, right? People think that because of the experience that you go through and what you what you do. That's validated, and because of the way I feel and it happened to me, then it's, then it's over. And, and we have scripture that tells us that, and I believe it's in the book of Corinthians, that's very explicit when it comes to that, you know, we prophesize, but we know in part, right? And that's right. to understand, you have to validate it. God's word is one and the same. It's not different. God sounds exactly with what he wrote. He inspired these individuals, but the Holy Spirit is the truth and will convict the world of the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So all these different things we're getting now, and you hit the head on the coffin, right? I believe women, when people ask me, what are my thoughts of that? I, I believe ontologically, men and women are the same, but we function differently. And what I mean by that is we have different functions, but that doesn't make that what I do is superior over you. I believe in a home we work together, right? But mm-hmm. it's clear in scripture where it says that God is the head 
Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. And for us, we don't have this stipulation put into place where we're changing God's word into what we want because of how we feel. Unfortunately, when it comes to God's word, it's direct. And there are some things that we wrestle with as believers. Don't get it twisted. There are scriptures that we read that are challenging. Like, I was just having a conversation with this with a friend of mine about two or three weeks ago. If you read Genesis up to about to the to the fortieth chapter, God is God is is cruel, <laughs> right? And people get this, but they don't understand his his reasoning behind it, right? The the man God told to impregnate to uh, impregnate uh, who he wants to impregnate, and he spills it out on the ground, and God just took his life, <laughs> right? So we see God's justice unfold but we see his mercy too Mm -hmm. there are some issues and situations that we come across in scripture but it's challenging it's challenging to receive it it's hard it's hard to accept it but i believe in time we get about a better understanding and i believe those words in the page if you die you know dissect it and you take your time some things make more sense than others there's another there's another passage i'm thinking about right and this is like part of the thing for my year about you know, we have to manage how we communicate and speak to others, especially when it comes to sharing our faith. So Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. And it speaks about Jesus going into Samaria. And they're spreading the news, the gospel. And people don't accept it. And you know what the two disciples do? I believe is uh, maybe James and John or Peter and John. They immediately reference Elijah. Let's call down fire from heaven on the people who don't want him. You know what Jesus says? He says, the son of man did not come to take life, but to save it. And I use that verse in particular because, yes, in the 1700s, people were going to Africa and enslaving people and forcing forcing Christianity on them. Mm -hmm. But if anyone that understands the Christian message, it's your choice. And that's why Jesus rebuked them. Because he wants them to understand that you don't force what the choice that I've given them to accept me or not because you don't listen to me. Then that goes against the gospel message. So when you see stuff like that happen, the changing of the, the Bible to enslave people, that's not the true love of what God's word is all about. Right? That's right. that's not what that is. So to me, when you read scripture, it debunks the foolishness. That people come up with Jesus didn't show favoritism, right? He showed partiality. Jesus went through racism when, when he was having a conversation with the Samaritan woman. People don't realize that racism existed in different parts of the world, practices and enslaving. Same thing in the book of Exodus, right? The Israelis came in Egypt and started taking up the area. <laughs> and what did the Egyptians want to do? They wanted to kill them, mm-hmm. right? The women that were strong in Hebrew. Uh, genes, they wanted the the they wanted the, to to kill the firstborns of the males. So we see this in scripture, and just because it's more pro, pro, you know predominantly more effective by your association, like my own, people think that that's a religion that we have to we need to validate culture over Christ. That's not true. Christ died for all people, right? He that's didn't right. just die for the Jews. So, you know what I'm saying? And that's the importance of reading scripture. When you read scripture, you hear 
what God's perspective is, man. He he's not racist. You know, this is foolishness right. <laughs> that we see. And these <laughs> ideas that people are coming up with, and they want you to believe it. And guess what? Yeah. If you don't know God's word, you will believe it. <laughs> but if yeah. you know God's word, you'll know whether it stems from truth or it stems from a lie. Right? You'll know right. then. Yeah, so we deal and with now. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I know this is not going to be popular with a lot of people. I'm pretty sure some have already turned this off, but then the Bible say that a, a, a preacher is supposed to be the husband of one wife? Yeah, that's 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 also true as well. This this is and it's when it comes to that. And when you're leading sheep, there's a there's a standard that you have to have. Right? Remember, James said, "Do not be do not be desired to be teachers, for you will be judged more harshly." Right. <laughs> so if you if you're living and operating in sin at a high magnitude, don't get me wrong. Right, we all fall short of the glory of God. Don't get that twisted. Oh, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and no one is good. Not even one. Which was, I was just talking to my brother about this. Right. You have these belief systems that. So we were talking about Matthew chapter five, verse eight. That, that was the discussion this week. And I believe it says, blessed, blessed is the pure of heart where they will see God. And when you look at these different belief systems, they declare that you're good outwardly because of the good deeds you do. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that we were yeah. talking about yesterday or <laughs> day before yesterday. Yeah, people have this 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 condemnation that if you do good deeds, you consider good. And Jesus addressed that that hey, nothing that you put inside you defiles you. Is where is already what's within you that defiles you. That's why we get Ezekiel 36, 26 and Hebrews 8, 10 that talks about God changing your heart because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart is the direction of where, you, where your life is going to go. So Jesus has to address the heart issue, right? And we see different portions of this, whether it's the first, I think it's Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, I think 7, where he talks about, you know, Samuel is, is judging the outward appearances, but God's looking at the heart. So the problem is it's the heart. It's always been the heart. So it doesn't matter how many good deeds you do outwardly. What goes on within? What's going on in your heart? God mm -hmm. can only see that, right? So just because you good good deeds, yes, outwardly it might appear that you're a good person, but it also tells us in, in Matthew chapter 5 that he who looks at a woman has already lustfully sinned within within his or her heart. Right. <laughs> so we got to get rid of this idea and this declaration of this outward desire to be good because yes, you can appear to be good, but the struggles that you have within your heart eventually flows the issues of life. Whatever's oh. going within there is going to be a problem long-term. And that's the beautiful thing about Christ. Christ came to address the human condition of the heart, right? When he said, don't the, don't the sick need a doctor? <laughs> so that's, that's what he came to do. So when we got people walking around self-righteously, you know, talking about how great they are, those are usually the ones that within their heart, they're struggling. They have problems. They don't realize that they bear the image of God. Let, let's look at like the Freemasons. Okay. Yeah. They do a lot of charitable work. 
You know, mm-hmm. you're talking, I think the Shriners are part of the Freemasons. They, they've got the hospital. They do all these great things for the kids and looks great. But if you ever been in one of those Freemason uh, meetings, those people are evil. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They are evil. But, you know, I, I'll tell you a little bit of, of my story. I got, I got saved. I believe I was 25, somewhere around there. And uh, I, I got called to preach. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I preached for about five years uh, at the uh, juvenile detention center, uh, did children's church, you know, youth pastor, and uh, got to get before the congregation and preach a couple of times. And I had a falling out with my preacher. A few things happened where he just, I, I, instead of keeping my eye on God and keeping my mm-hmm. eye on Christ, had my eye on the preacher. Mm-hmm. And he let me down. And I, I want to say I lost faith, you know, and I walked away. I walked away from it all. I went back to my sinful life, you know, partying, you know, drinking, doing drugs pouring around the whole nine yards and um i got remarried about eight years ago so mind you i'd gotten divorced so and got remarried my my wife that i'm with now she's really encouraged me to get back on my spiritual path and which i that's what i'm i'm doing i'm not trying i'm doing with that in mind, you know, she said, will you ever think about preaching again? And I said, well, I can, I can spread God's word, but I'll, I'll never be able to preach in front of a congregation again, because I still believe that once I got divorced, I, I lost that privilege. You know, I totally threw that out the window. That's, that's on me, but doesn't mean I can't still spread God's word. I can still yeah. be a, a, a teacher, I guess you'd say. So, yeah, we're going to make mistakes in life and we have to uh, adhere to God's word. We have to, we, you know, he makes certain rules. We break those rules. We have to pay the consequences to that. Yeah. Well, God can still use us. I mean, once again, absolutely. Yeah. You know, David might have not have been a preacher, but he was a leader. And look at the things he did. You know, um, God, I, I forget the, the actual names in the story, but I, I know God had used a, a businessman to be a leader. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. he, he didn't have someone who was already a, a, a king or anything. He used a businessman to be a, a leader so yeah. he can call on anyone to to be in a leadership position. But it takes a special kind of person to be a preacher amen i agree yeah but but, you know i i've seen videos there was a uh i guess he was some kind of preacher he had on a a rainbow colored cloth around his (laughs) neck and (laughs) got up and said god was trans god was gay god was uh, all kinds Uh of different things and i'm like okay i i think i see where you're trying to go with this but i don't think you'll ever say god was a trans or a homosexual mm-hmm. and, and i'm not being hateful i'm yeah. just saying that's not god <laughs> so it's not 
God, God is not the author of confusion. He's not a liar, a man that he should lie. So we see certain things that like we got to understand that one of the things the devil does is he infiltrates the church, right? Mm-hmm. If I can, and, and we have to understand two, two things. It's the corporation of the church and then you are the church. Church is you. Mm-hmm. And it's happening here. And what we're doing right now, anytime two or three are gathered in the midst, there is Christ, there is God there, getting the glory, the honor, and the praise. And I think what people are missing and, and not understanding is the reason why Jesus and God's plan, which was beautifully done, he took his praise out of the temple and put it in the human heart of the person, where anywhere that person goes and communicates with another believer, you have a church right there. So mm-hmm. I think people get it misconstrued that what built what makes the church the church is the people that have the power that walk in that give the element of power within the building. The building doesn't have the power, it's the people that walk into the building that and church doesn't have to happen. Remember in the, in the book of Acts, church was happening in homes. This now is an evolution of church where praise and worship and we have all these different elements of how we want to go about it. And we're having church and trying to get people out within two hours. There's some churches that are three, four hours. But this is a different form of church that has evolved in the years. And I believe if Christ came, will he recognize what church is? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> He's probably <laughs> right. This is, this, you know, people have to understand. And that's why I say you grow in communion, not in isolation. So every week, whether it's Bible study, it's encouraging, having an accountability partner. This is what what it is. This is what needs to happen. And I think that's the most important thing. Rome, the book of Romans, it said, let's be mutually encouraged by one another's faith, right? Moving mm-hmm. from faith to faith to faith. So we have to understand that your relationship with God starts with your Bible. And it starts with the people around you impacting those. And I love First John's. And it's one of the books I recommend to read because you learn so many things. You understand the Trinity there, right? There's no Trinity. Well, it's Godhead. It's introduced there. But I think in the first chapter, it says, God is light. And in, in him is no darkness. If we claim to be in the light, we must walk in the light as he is in light. For we have fellowship with one another. That impact that you have in associating association with the light is a standard that you have to have and how you carry yourself, right? It matters because you're representing Christ. And as ambassadors, Paul says, ambassadors and representatives of Christ, who we speak with and the conversations we have, it's beautifully said in Colossians. He said, let your speech be seasoned with salt so you know how you ought to respond to others. That word salt there, means godly wisdom, godly discernment, and godly judgment. So God uses you, yes, you as the person that goes into these spaces that represent Christ, right? First John, again, puts it clear, no one's ever seen God. But if you love one another, then his love is within you, and then that's how it gets. Because mm-hmm. you express God's love through how you treat one another, mm-hmm. right? I can go all day, but, <laughs> right? We can go you- all day about this, so. Well, you, you were mentioning about how um, the devil gets into these churches and they appeal to your your spirituality. And yeah. look what he did in the Garden of Eden. There you, you go. Know, 
Yeah. He said, Hey, you know, you could be more like God if you just eat this <laughs> fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. what was their punishment? I mean, they had it made. <laughs> Everything was perfect there. And he took that yeah. all away because they didn't listen to God's word. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what's happening to us. I mean, this was a Christian nation. And now it's it's pretty much gone to the devil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter, te- Peter made a point that I love. He said, don't give the devil a foothold to come through. I think we built <laughs> we built huge holes now that he's seeped all mm-hmm. through society and it's everywhere. And sometimes he doesn't even need to do anything. It's advertisements. It's the it's 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 you know internet everything man. he's he's put mm-hmm. his print on everything where he don't have to come personally visit you you can send through your own you know inclinations and desires <laughs> right got yeah. you through a loop within your own desires because you know some people proclaim that desires are bad no they're good it's self-control Right. That's right. And, and, that's, and right. that's not. And again, none of this. Let me, let's be clear. None of this stuff is easy. But it's a process and God's there for the process. I believe God is a God of process. And therefore, eventually, as he as as it was stated in Hebrews, we can't continue along with the elementary ways of thinking, which means eventually in your stage and walk, you have to overcome certain things. Right. Mm-hmm. And Paul puts it beautifully, too, when he says the good that I don't want to do. Is the good is the the good that I don't want to do is what I keep doing, and the things that I do want to do is the things I don't do. But you have to battle against it. You have to battle against these inclinations, and eventually, I believe God will give you the glory. But it's not going to be easy. It's gonna be a challenge, but you got to be down for it. You got to be down for Christ over what it is that you that you're falling under, and. As a saint, you got to get back up again, right? Got to get back up again, try again, make right. an effort. God knows with certainty whether or not you're trying. He knows if you're putting forth an effort. He knows that, right? He knows your heart. So if you're if you're really striving, you're really trying. He knows your limitations and and what you're going through. So don't don't feel convicted and trying. Don't feel condemned. Right, right. right. I got you. Understand <laughs> understand the importance of that. Look what society is teaching people. It's look at me. It's all about me. It's my problems. It's it's my concerns. And, you know, if, if you read where Jesus, he he bowed down at people's feet and washed their feet for him. You know, he's like, you know, let that ego go. I mean, he was yeah, God. He was God. Yeah. He should be bowing at his feet and washing his feet. But he humbled himself. And we're not doing that nowadays. We're supposed to be here helping others, serving others. Yeah, of course, love yourself. Yeah, you have to love yourself. You have to get things things right in your own household. But Mm -hmm. not to the point where everything's about me. Everything, you know, it's my Mm -hmm. concerns. It's my, they're they're teaching you that. They're they're teaching you to hate each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm, I'm sorry, but. Yeah, I I hate getting in this conversation because it's almost like it's we talk. I get to talking about this too much, but mm-hmm. yes, there is racism out there. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to deny that one one bit. But not everybody is that way. 
And yeah. I'm, you're not going to convince me that just because I'm a white guy that I'm automatically a racist. <laughs> I'm sorry. And but things had changed so much from when I was a kid. I grew up in the 70s yeah. and the way things were in the 70s to the way things were, you know, in the 90s and 2000s. It was it was a, a big difference. I think we should have, give each other credit for coming so far. Yeah, but now, I agree. It's, now it's like we're getting pushed backwards. Well, let's let's don't forget yeah. about that stuff. Okay, yeah, I agree. Don't forget what happened, but that was the past. If you don't remember the past, then you're doomed to repeat it in the future. Amen. Don't, I agree. But don't we get any credit for coming so far? Yeah. People are, are so hinging on the negative that they don't see how far we've come and how far we've come has created opportunities for people who do something versus not having any. So I agree with you. That little step forward that has created opportunities, some people aren't even content, satisfied with that, right? It's mm-hmm. looking at the big picture. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Look at the big picture here. And... and... I'm sorry. I, I say I, I hate getting back into this conversation, but it always seems to to come back up. We we have we have come a long way from the way things were. I I saw even my grandparents who I mean they grew up in like the 30s and the 40s, and you know they were taught to be racist. But when I got married to my first wife, my first wife was Hispanic. I saw my grandparents' heart change. When my kids were born, my grandpa was even trying to learn Spanish so he could communicate with my wife, you know? Yeah. And he loved my kids. Just uh, it, it was kind of sickening how much he loved my daughter that he spoiled her so much. Wow. <laughs> But man, you saw right that there, yeah. love change things. That's what I'm saying. Love and it, it changes the heart. Yeah, that changed my grandparents. If my grandparents could change, you can't see how much life has changed, how how yeah. society has changed. I I don't like us going and and hating each other, but I will say, I I blame it all on the internet with these social media sites where you've got this small portion of people that get on and they have the loudest voices on there, <laughs> the way yeah. society is changing things around mm-hmm. and going backwards. That's my personal opinion, but I, I believe that I really mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And James, so- James pushed it so beautifully. He said, love covers over a multitude of things. Right. A multitude. So, and everything you're saying, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I agree with you, man. Social media and everything has gotten it's gotten worse and it's got a lot of us twisted in a, in this uh this overlap of continually it's almost like we become rich in information with a poor in wisdom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what's there, going on now. Yeah. There's some sayings about that. I, I I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but it's about this education that we're getting, but we're losing our actual wisdom. Okay. I'm going to get off that subject (laughs) because I get heated up, but uh, you know, I, 
I'm just, I'm tired of the victim mentality. Mm -hmm. Everybody's a victim now. Look, I, I've had people on my show who had been, uh, I can't say the actual word, but they had been taken advantage of sexually, um, mm -hmm. beaten, did all these terrible things done to them, but yet they were overcoming all those things and trying to help other people and to, to know that there's hope out there that you can overcome all this. They had every right in the world to feel like a victim, but they were refusing to be. But you're seeing people that, oh, well, you didn't call me by my preferred pronoun, so I'm a victim now. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's not victimhood. I'm sorry you didn't got misgendered. Yeah. But you're, it's this world is confusing. Yeah, it is. It's keeping us from the big picture, and that's what I believe. Huh. Amen. And keeping us they're 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 the reason why I think people are trying to, to down on God and on people that believe in God mm -hmm. is because they can't let go of their sin, and so they're trying to justify their sins and not have any consequences for it. But you're gonna have consequences for it. Yeah, let's believe that. But he ain't, he ain't lie about what he said in Romans. It's gonna happen, right? It's gonna be mm -hmm. some things that's gonna go down, <laughs> right? And and I believe him at his word <laughs> when he said that. So some can speculate, some can surmise, but I believe when God gets to moving, if you're not covered by the blood of Christ, you're in the root. You're in for a rude awakening. That's right. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and you can see all through the Bible. It it says that you judge somebody by the content of their heart, by their character, correct? Yes. yes. Not what's on the outside, what's on exactly. the inside. We've yeah, just then, talked about that. Yeah. Well, you give me hope for the future. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I like yeah. seeing a, a young man who has a good head on their shoulders and that you are are very steeped in your beliefs and that you are trying to help others and getting the word out there. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm you make me proud. I'll Thank you, man. Surprising me, man. I'm just trying, just trying to get people to see and understand that this in crisis for you, not against you. And you know, we we gotta you have to understand the value and the importance of getting to know God personally. Because man, many, many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. They're going to mm -hmm. claim they've done great things, right? They're going to claim they, they, they've done things at the count of his name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that was my biggest fear is, is does God know you? <laughs> That's the question. Does he know you? Right. And there's right. That passage was when he said, he said, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, but the the small gate, very few find it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, we've got some choices to make. we got some decisions to make. And if you declare that Christ is Lord over your life, man, you got to start living. You got to start living right, righteous, being holy as he's holy, man. got to be set apart. And and that, that comes at the cost of, you know, understanding that, God did not give you the spirit of 
fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And and he told you in, in Romans where he, he said, and he made it very clear when he said that he was having this conversation, giving us information about the importance of this world and, and, and what it what it has to provide and and how we're children not of this world, but Christ was very clear that we're in it because we're the only hope that the world has. <laughs> yeah, right? but we're not of it. We're not of it. Amen. We're not of it. We're not of it at all. But that's why he says, let us not be conformed to the paths of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's what the word is for, to renew us consistently, constantly, every single day. Make him, you know, our focus and, and what we're, we're planning to do throughout the day. And I stand from standard, the ultimate standard. Mm -hmm. We get from Hebrews four twelve that, that tells us that. You know, I I believe, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think mentioned more in the Bible is fear not. Amen. It's, yeah. Yep. Fear is a natural response that, that we all have. But he he wants us to understand that well, God in our corner, even even Christ, when he when he was going through his crucifixion, he said, All of you will depart from me, but my father will be with me always. Mm -hmm. And he will be with me in the midst of all of this. So yes, fear is is a natural response we all have. And sometimes God uses fear to elevate us to the next level. But we are, we also have to understand that it's a stage, it's a period yeah. of time. The more and more you pour your God's word into you, you then start to drift away from that fear and know that you you don't have to fear anymore because God's in control. And as long as you know God's in control, then all things work together for those who love the Lord and accord according to His purpose. So there is an element and a necessity of what you're going through, and in the end. I learned a lot about that in Joseph, man. I want to learn about fear and, and suffering. <laughs> Joseph gives you illustration of that. And all that he went through, it got to the point, I believe it's Genesis. In Genesis, in the 40th chapter, he talks about how at one stage of his life, not to bring back uh, an example of football, we know Tom Brady has different sections in his career of success. And in these different sections of the career of his success, Joseph talks about one half of his life where he was a slave and in prison. And now he's the second ruling authority in all of Egypt. Mm -hmm. God put him in a predicament now that he kind of forgot <laughs> about all that happened. And now he's in a place of royalty to the degree when he finally meets his brothers. His brothers didn't even recognize the success, neither the appearance of who he was. And that's what God could do for you, man. You, you, you're filthy and dirty over here, and people think you're nothing. And then you come out and you're over here, but they don't know what it took to get there. And it's almost like anytime God is moving you to a better, for bigger and better things, you go through this pruning stage, this testing stage. And then when he brings you out, just like he told Paul, he said, the devil seeks to have you. But he said, I pray that your faith fail you not. Once he got through all of that, not only was he equipped for what God had called him to do, but he was in a, even in a better predicament where he can share his experiences and use that as motivation 
that mm-hmm. compelled him to now be a voice that people can listen to, understand, appreciate, and acknowledge. And that's what it's all about, man. It's not all shapes and and flowers and sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> at least that at least we'll learn that. That's not our lives as Christians. So if you think you're gonna you're gonna walk through life, and people get it misconstrued all the time. God said that I pray that you take them not out of the world, but that you protect them in it. It doesn't mean just if you ever read Job, you know that things happen to Job. But guess what? I believe it's chapter 18. He speaks about after all he went through, he didn't sin, which means his re- his respect and reverence he had towards God in this testing stage brought him to the point when he had double the amount that he had prior to the incident that occurred, even in the testing. Mm-hmm. Right. He was blameless and loyal to God, and that's what, even though he lost a lot of stuff in life, things get hit from you from numerous different directions because we saw that, right? An era of bad news, and something happened, and all happened. And guess what? He tore his clothes, and he still put God above all of that. It got him his reward in the end. Mm-hmm. How to stand that storm, stand the test of struggle and times, and in the end your blessing and and what you're looking for will be waiting for you. That's right. You know, going back to talking about fear and how it affects people, you, you, you have a fight or flight mode. And unfortunately, a lot of people are in flight mode. I was one of those when I was in school I got picked on and I was also afraid not only that, but of not being accepted with the other kids. And, and so I I joined along with the bad, bad crowd, got me started drinking and doing all the drugs and everything because I was afraid not to fit in. And what happened? It became a full-blown addiction where I couldn't live without it. Huh. And so many kids nowadays they're they're afraid they they're afraid of getting beat up they're afraid of being ridiculed they're afraid to not fit in and so they get into the what they call thug life Uh, it's so so easy to do because of fear yeah and it instead of doing the right thing look what i did and it ultimately ruined my relationships that I had with my first wife, with my kids. I mean, I, I have a good relationship with my kids now, but back then I was awful. Yeah. You know, I, I ruined a lot of things because of that fear yeah. led me to that. And, you know, there's a, the good fear, fear of God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and people don't fear. realize that that fear is is to have reverence towards someone or something, and that means respect. That's right. So. And the the good fear was when my grandfather gave me one whooping in my life. Mm-hmm. One. I stress one. I never did anything bad in front of my grandpa again after that. I wouldn't yeah. cuss in front of him. I, he told me to do something. It was, yes, sir. And... Mm. But that was a good fear because there was there was there was goodness behind that. Yeah. He wanted me to be a better person. He wanted me to be obedient to those that are in charge of me, you know. 
to respect him. He deserved that respect. Yeah. And unfortunately, we give our respect to gangsters or (laughs) drug dealers. That's not where it should go. No. Man, we could go on all day long, I believe. Yeah. Um, we are, we have come to the end of the show before we leave. Um, how do people listen to your show? Yeah. So the truth of the matters podcast can be found on, you know, most major podcast platforms, whether that's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Audible there. And if you, you want to get in contact with me, I have Instagram called the truth of T M I S the truth of T-M-I-S, and it's all together. And I have a group on Facebook who try to motivate and encourage one another where you, you have free access to the forum to post any godly content or scripture that can be helpful and useful. And occasionally we, we engage in the chat. And it's called I'm a Believer on Facebook. It's and hey, man, I'm not such on a high horse that if you ever wanted to have a conversation with me on the phone, and I'm not versed to that or email, you can reach me at speedit83 at gmail.com and I'll spell it out for you. S as in Sam, P as in play, E as in elevator, E as in elephant, D as in David, E as in elevator, D as in David, 83 at gmail.com. And I'll be more than happy to get back to you at my earliest convenience and talk about anything that's associated with God. Those are the ways you can find me. Man, I can't tell you how much I appreciated this conversation and uh, I'd love to have you back again in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate this too. Anytime you have an opportunity to talk about God's word at any point, at any time, I think it's important that you do. You, you, you enter a space where it's needed and it's necessary and you never know who's going to stumble across your show. And I want to say, I, I, I love the show. I want you to keep doing, keep moving forward. I appreciate it. And anyone that wants a relaxed, layback feeling, I encourage you to continue to listen to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, uh, please hit that subscribe button. Love for you to come back. And for my regulars, thank you for making this possible for me to do this and so until the next one everyone please take care be kind to one another god bless and peace we hope you enjoyed this episode of listen to the vibes you can catch us on buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on youtube follow us on facebook at the vibes broadcast network